In today's highly competitive mortgage industry, building profitable relationships with real estate agents is essential for success. However, finding effective ways to secure agent relationships can be a challenge. With so many mortgage loan originators vying for the attention of real estate agents, it can be difficult to stand out and establish meaningful connections. Our new case study featuring loan officer Chris Coghill is a must read. Chris has closed a remarkable 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals. And in this case study, he shares his proven strategies for building strong relationships with real estate agents and leveraging those relationships to drive more business. To get your hands on this resource, head over to locastudy.com and download your free copy of the case study today. You'll find actionable insights and practical tips that Chris used to close 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals and how you can too. Don't miss out. Go check it out right now. Visit locastudy.com and download your free copy today. Hey listeners, it's Jeff Zimfer. Hello, 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 hello there, boys and girls. How are you doing today? I hope you're enjoying yourself wherever you're at, wherever you happen to be tuning in and listening to this. And if I hadn't told you, do you know how much I care? Do you know how much I appreciate you? I so appreciate you tuning in and listening to this podcast. If you're here listening again, it's because you found the fine value. And that's what I love the most is bringing value to you, my fellow compadre, mi hombre, and sisters as well. Brothers and sisters, can we unite? Okay, what am I doing? I don't know. I'm just rambling. Anyway, I'm excited to bring you this episode. Uh, before I uh, cut to the uh, you know, episode, the show, as they say, a couple quick reminders for you guys. Once again, jump into our Facebook group uh, for podcast listeners only, Mortgage Marketing Radio on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, type it in uh, the search bar, Mortgage Marketing Radio, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash mortgage marketing radio. That's how you'll get there. And the reason why you want to check that out is because look, if you like the content you hear or see here, there's going to be more there. Good stuff coming in the way of additional trainings and things to help you be a modern mortgage originator. And this whole concept of a hybrid originator, hybrid loan officer, which uh, for me, just so you know, to clarify what I mean by hybrid loan officer, what I mean by that is uh, a loan officer who lives in two worlds. Um, one who lives in the quote, old school world, if you will, of developing referral relationships, past client database, local community events, things like that, but also bridging the old with the new, the modern with the more traditional. The hybrid loan officer is also somebody who's leveraging social media, online platforms, video, maybe doing some paid ads and traffic and things like that. That is the future of the loan officer. And that's who I speak to and hope that you are in that camp as well. Hopefully you feel that we're helping you to, to cover both bases there. And we're going to do that more in the group uh, over there on Facebook, Mortgage Marketing Radio. Check it out. Okay. Um, also, if you need help, like if you, how about this? If somebody said to you and said, look, would you like to, to never have to cold call agents again? Never have to chase real estate agents um, never wonder where your next purchase deal is coming from. Would you like a predictable system that delivers agent relationships, referrals, and conversations at scale every single month on a silver platter delivered to you? Turnkey, would you want that? If you do, we offer that. We offer that through our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership, which you can go check out, mortgagemarketing.pro. There will be a link in the show notes. Watch a brief video that I put up, which is all about how do you 
get noticed and get agent conversations and referrals in today's noisy, crazy world, right? Listen, you know that the refis are dropping off in the, the second half of this year. Are you preparing for that? Are you looking not where the puck is, but where the puck is going? That's where it's going. So you want to shore up your purchase business. You want to grow your business. You want to add referral partners, agents to your bus. How do you reach them? How do you get contact with them? Right? There's a hundred different ways to do that. I'm proposing you check out the most predictable, systematic way to do that at scale that puts you in control and creates tremendous value and income for you. Mortgagemarketing.pro, check it out. Okay. This week's show. All right. So this guest that I have on, first of all, I want to thank my friend, uh, Tony Juarez, if you're listening, thanks for introducing me to Gene. And this is a conversation that um, it's a more um, long form conversation. I think we go about an hour on this. And that's because, you know, you ever meet somebody that's got so much wisdom and background and knowledge and has done so many things, you just want to keep the conversation going. And, and uh, as you can tell with the podcast is I approach many of my conversations in a organic way. I may have some bullet points, which I do right here. Um, but then we just let the conversation flow. And so my special guest for this episode is um, a gentleman named Gene McNaughton. And uh, Gene is a business consultant. He's the president of Growth Smart Consulting. And what he does is help executive leadership teams grow sales, right? Get efficiencies, drive top line revenue growth. You may be listening to that and think, oh, that's not me. However, what Gene is great at is growing sales. He's great at structuring a conversation framework. He's great at identifying the patterns of success in sales. He's great at knowing what's the difference that makes the difference between average and top performers. Gene has an amazing background. We have some similarities. Gene was the global vice president of sales for Tony Robbins um, from 2004 to 2007. Gene also was the president uh, at Chet Holmes International, which some of you may be familiar with Chet Holmes. Some of you may not. Chet Holmes wrote a, an incredible book called uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine years ago. I suggest you get that. It's one of the best sales books ever written. Um, and so Gene has worked. Oh, by the way, Gene also take, took uh, Gateway Computers. You guys remember Gateway Computers? Uh, was there for their rapid growth uh, that, that scaled up to $11 billion in revenue. And Gene was there. And Gene helped make that happen with the sales strategies that he put together, as I've just described for you. Gene has a book, which we're going to put links in the show notes, that you should check out. It's called The Sales Edge. right? And this is the book is Your Ultimate Guide to Finding, Keeping, and Growing Accounts. And why I think this conversation with Gene is very relevant for you. And by the way, stick with the conversation to the end because we bounce around a little bit, but we always bring it back full circle into to how you can apply it to your life in sales, in prospecting, in what is your, um, you know, your, your conversation framework. What are the first words that come out of your mouth uh, when you speak to a client or referral partner? How do you structure uh, your sales meetings with referral partners and clients, right? Et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of wisdom that you're going to take from this um, and concepts that we talking about that experience does not equal effectiveness. And here's a great one. I love this one as well. I wrote this down. Premium price needs a premium system story and process. Let me say it again. Premium price needs a premium process and story. What does that mean? Well, it means one of the Biggest pushbacks you get is interest rate. What's your rate? What's your rate? I can find it a quarter less, an eighth less. Well, here's the thing. You don't get to charge a premium if your process 
doesn't match a premium price if you don't have a story that supports the premium price. <clears throat> so we're going to talk a lot, a lot about that. And uh, Gene's got some amazing background and stories. Um, and so I'm just thrilled to bring it to you. And I hope you like this conversation as much as I have. I mean, this guy's you know, done a lot. He's interviewed all the Shark Tank people, right? Kevin O'Leary, Damon John, uh, on and on. So I think you can learn a lot from him and his time. He spent 25 years generating top results for Fortune 500 companies, spending time as Tony Robbins president, um, so on. So hope you enjoy this show. Let's get into this week's show. Gene, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Awesome to be here, Jeff. We've been working, what, 18 months to get this little time slot connected. So here we are. Let's rock and roll. Let's add value. All right. Let's make the best of it. So uh, the listeners heard the formal interview or intro of you, uh, you know, as they tuned into this episode. But I prefer to you to give your um, backgrounder, if you will, because you've got quite a diverse background. We share some stories and, you know, who we've worked with in the past. But give, give us the summary. Who's Gene McNaughton? What's he all about? What has he done? <laughs> Here's a short story. I, I was born in a small town in Iowa, Sioux City, Iowa. I'm the youngest of six kids. I grew up with five sisters in a small house. So you learn uh, some, some techniques in dealing with females and sharing one bathroom. Whole other episode we can do on that. And I'm still working on the process. Trust me. Um, had, a, had a great upbringing from my parents and uh, went, to, went to high school. I was an athlete, uh, was able to go to, fortunately, go to college in my same little hometown in Sioux City, Iowa at Morningside College and play football there. It was my only avenue to be able to go to college. I was the first one to graduate from college or even go to college in my family. And shortly after I graduated college, while I was in college, this, this little computer company was, was building up in Sioux City called Gateway 2000 Computers. And while in college, they were teaching you to go get, a, you know, get your degree, go get a job. And you know, I wanted to be a stockbroker. I wanted to be in the financial world. And I went and got my licenses right after I got out of college and thought I was going to be a financial investment advisor. And what I didn't really realize is that you're, you're really not going to be financially advising anybody. You're going to be making cold calls and scheduling appointments for the veteran brokers. So I had maxed out my one credit card on buying three suits and I was sitting in a dingy little office making 250 to 300 cold calls a day out of the phone book. In the meantime, all my buddies that had gone to work at this computer company were loving life and they were buying jet skis and they were wearing jeans to work and life was amazing and I'm friggin' miserable. <laughs> and I finally just said, okay, I got I gotta check this out. And Fortunately, it was the very, very early stages of the company, and I got hired for the night shift selling computers over the phone. And I quickly fell in love with it. One of the things I fell in love with was something I'd never heard of before, which was called direct response marketing, which when I got out of training, I sat down in my cubicle and I said, okay, who do I call? Where's my list? Or is there a, a phone book? How do I sell these computers? Because they never taught that in training. They taught here's how a computer works. Here's what a motherboard and a hard drive and all the technical training. Somebody goes, no, 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 you, you don't call anybody. I'm like, well, how do you make sales? They said, they called you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we advertise in these magazines. And, and I remember going, look, there's a call coming into your phone right now. And I'm like, uh, hello, welcome to Gateway. My name's Gene. And, you know, Every once in a while in life, and this is something everybody needs to get, is that there will be a constant series of windows of opportunities that open for you. Fortunately, most people, even when they see and sense the opportunity, they don't take advantage of it. And my dad had always taught me, you know, there are going to be little windows that open up. Maybe it's somebody you meet or the girl you want to date or 
a job that you want to get. But when the window opens, you got to run through it. And I quickly was like, oh my gosh, in those days, Jeff, you know, one out of four calls were not somebody shopping is people calling to say, yes, I'd like to buy this computer on page 76 of the computer shopper magazine. I'm like, okay. Like I didn't, when you go from one extreme of pure cold calls, no, think about calling out of the phone book, how many times you get hung up on or yelled out. You know, my boss thought, well, we got to call people when they're home. So we'll call between 5.30 and 7.30 at night, or we'll call on Saturdays. We'll call on Friday nights. So I go, I go to this, this land of opportunity. And fortunately, I was in the right place at the right time. I had good work ethic. And I was just, I could see it. And I just went all in. I bought in. I learned as much as I could about computers and time management and sales techniques. I started reading books. Uh, I read the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Napoleon Hill. You remember that one, right? But I, And once I read this first book, I'm like, oh my God, the answers are in there. All these things that I'm supposed to be expected to know at 22 years old, the answers are in these books. I didn't learn that stuff in college. And I'm not by any way, shape, and form. I am so grateful for the college degree and the, 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 the school that I went to. But I didn't learn these people skills. I didn't learn influence and persuasion. I didn't learn about goal setting. Now, I knew about goal setting from sports, but I, not as it applied to my life, not as it applied to creating the vision for the ultimate future. You know, if everything went perfect, what would it look like? I was learning that in the books, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Then I got into the Tommy Hopkins work, mm-hmm. Masters of Closing, right? Then I was, then it just went nuts from there. I got turned on to a guy named Jim Rohn. I know you know who Jim Rohn is, not the sports guy, the personal development guy. And that led me to start studying Tony Robbins' work. As I was investing in myself, and in those days, it was books or tapes. That, those were your options. The CDs were still new and a little, you know, not quite there. And certainly there was no cell phones or anything like that. I would listen to these tapes. While I was driving in the car, I would I had one of those little boom boxes that when you played a tape at the end of it, it'd go click, click, and then it would play the other side and it would just keep playing all night because I learned from Brian Tracy. I don't know whether this is true or not, but when you're even when you're not listening to something, subconsciously it's soaking into your brain. So I thought, okay, what a better time to do that than eight hours of sleep or seven hours of sleep. I started listening to, to, to Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins. And here's what was interesting, Jeff. While I'm at this little company that suddenly is starting to get very popular, the computer revolution hit us in 1991, 1992, where suddenly people at home realized that I can have a computer in my house. So right place, right time, window of opportunity. I invest in myself. I work as hard on myself as I do on my day job and things start to radically accelerate. Mm-hmm. So this company is taking off. I'm working, fortunately, you know, I was single at the time. I recognized the opportunity. I could work you know, many hours, 50, 60 hours a week and I loved it. It wasn't like I had to you know, get myself out of bed to get in there and make a paycheck. I saw the opportunity. And as the company grew, I, I grew got moved into management. Then I realized that as I was taking on the new hires that would come out of training, that none of them were taught how to sell. So 
So I would say, okay, you got your five days of technology training. Now you're going to go, we, we, I didn't call it lunch and learns in those days, but we worked the 1 PM to 10 PM shifts. So I said, bring your dinner in, you know, go or go grab a sandwich, whatever. And for an hour, I'm going to teach you the seven steps of selling. Now I had just built this you know, step one is mindset. We got to set goals. You got to have the mindset of success. Step two is you got to establish rapport. Step three, you got to ask questions. Step four, you got to present. Step five, you got to ask for the business. Step six, you got to be prepared for the, you know, four or five, six objections you're going to get. And step seven, you have to have great follow-up. And part of that would be referral program. And I taught it over and over again. And lo and behold, what we started finding was this group of new hires many of them would outperform people that had been selling on the phones for two, three, and four years. And the VP said, what's going on here? And, and I said, look, I'm just teaching this, this stuff, what I used to do on the phones. And he said, I need you to go teach that to everybody. Now, by the time I had gotten into management and had three months of management under my belt, now we had 120, 150 salespeople selling on the floor in a call center in cubicles mm-hmm. in North Sioux City, South Dakota. He said, I want you to take that. And if you want to go to some seminars, you can go to some seminars, but I want you to create a sales training part of our business. And I'm like, okay. Now, I had never been a public speaker, anything like that. I just took the common principles. And then, you know, the window of opportunity, the window of fate, you know, what do they say, Jeff? You set your targets and the universe conspires to drop these little nuggets. Exactly. In your favor. A fax came in. Randomly, now we're on a huge call center floor, and it was an opportunity to go see a seminar on the art of sales by Tom Hopkins. And somebody knew I was, you know, trying to do the sales training manual. Like, like when I had never seen a manual, and there was no Microsoft Word back then. There was word processing programs, but there was no Word like the stuff we have now. There was no voice to text, yeah. right? It's it's me trying to hack away at it. And I take it to the boss, and fortunately, she said yes. And in fact, she she took herself, uh, one of the other senior managers, and a, a another director of sales, and we all went to mm. to see a seminar, Tom Hopkins in New Orleans. And I remember walking in there, and there must have been three thousand people there, pretty good, you know, that's a good crowd. Okay. And he came out, and within minutes, I was I was hanging on every word, laughing, like he was entertaining, he was funny, he was good looking. Now I was in the, I was in the nosebleed section. I mean, truth be told, we didn't get front row seats, but I just, from that very second, I was like, that's what I want to do. Really? That's what I want to do. I want to be the teacher. Mm -hmm. Presenting teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, he was part comedian. He was part entertainer, the, 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 the sequences and the processes. And in those days it was, you know, sounds good. Doesn't it? You know, understanding what a trial close is, understanding, you know, steps to building rapport, understanding the right questions in the right order, uh, really going through a a, a real life goal setting program. I'd never done that. Mm. And that catapulted everything. Ironically, I must have got put into some database, which I didn't know what a database was. But two months later, fax comes in from the Zig Ziglar Corporation. Oh, okay, I got it. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and you going to these events and learning, developing skills, you're watching Zig present. And you're like, oh, he's amazing. Well, it, b- better yet, it was, it was an inv- invitation to a seminar called See You at the Top. Mm-hmm. 
And it was a three-day goal-setting workshop. Now, I had realized by that stage, just being an athlete and you know, getting a scholarship, all the things, that I knew there was some this power in, in setting goals, laying out in advance what it is you want to accomplish, writing it down, looking at it every day. But I didn't know the, the wisdom behind it. And again, I convinced my boss. I'm like, this is the other. Remember you said I could go to a seminar? This is in Carrollton, Texas. Can I go? He said yes. The senior manager said yes. So I go down to Texas by myself. And I'm next thing you know, I'm, in, I, I'm, I'm preparing for this. And I get a phone call. Jeff, this is where I learned the art of the cross-sell or the upsell. Mm-hmm. And the call was from, now this is Katie from the Zig Ziglar headquarters. She said, you're coming to the seminar. And I wanted to give you a heads up that Zig is teaching a class on public speaking the very next day when your seminar ends. I have a question for you. Is public speaking something that's important to you? And I went, well, I'm going to be doing sales training. She goes, this is exactly, you need this. How much training do you have? Like, I've never, I've never been trained in speaking. And then I got introduced to the upsell and cross-sell. And I go back to my boss. She goes, well, you're going to be here anyway. You're coming a long ways from South Dakota. We had moved across the border. And my boss said, yes. I went there for the goal setting seminar. It was called Born to Win is what it was called. And I still have my seminar notes, 1993, of what my dreams and aspirations were then from a small town. The secondary course on how to speak in public, I took it because I wanted to be comfortable speaking in front of you know, training classes of 10 people, maybe 12, maybe 20 tops. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that that seminar is what catapulted everything to allow me to do some pretty cool things that you've covered in the bio, including becoming the opening speaker for Tony Robbins at on the biggest stages, uh, uh, traveling Australia with Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki and Tony Robbins and being the, I mean, who would have imagined that small town Gene McNaughton, Buddy McNaughton is what they called me there, would end up being the guy kicking off these mega seminars and being shoulder to shoulder with some of the giants. It all came. The reason I say that Jeff, not to try to brag or impress anybody, but it all came because I, I, I took advantage of the opportunity. I did the work. I went to find who I thought was the very best in the world. And in those days, arguably Zig Ziglar, Tom Hopkins, Tony Robbins was still was, was, was big. The infomercials had just started. So he was in the beginning of his big, big fame and I listened to these people and I did the work. I did the workbooks. I did the incantations or the uh, affirmations as they were called before Tony changed it to incantations. I did all the little things that, frankly, a lot of people during those days were laughing at me for. Oh, it's Mr. Motivation. Oh, Gene's reading a motivation book. There we go. Getting motivated, Gene. And I just ate it because I knew that I knew where I was going. You know, when I hear your story like that, and by the way, thank you for sharing that. You had used a couple of words like small town boy or whatever, but you also use this word vision. So I'm curious is because I'm it's not small town like you, but originally from kind of New England. And, you know, there's a certain mindsets of certain areas of the country, you know, like small town might have a small town mindset. And I'm curious, what, what do you think? Like, I don't know where your siblings are, but like, if you can do a comparison to like, what gave you your vision, why, why, what do you think in you, your upbringing or whatever, like created that bigger, Hey, I can leave the, I can be something more. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I I had five sisters and they were all older than me. My I had one of my sisters, Debbie. She, she was 18 when I was born and I was like I might as well have been her child. She took me everywhere she went and and I was like her pride and joy as she was 18, 19, 20 in that, you know, prime time of age. And she was somebody along with my mom that just always believed in me. All like you could say I was even spoiled, not with things and money and stuff, because we didn't have that. But in terms of love and care, and you can do anything you set your mind to. And, you know, I wanted to be a rock and roll singer. That didn't <laughs> that didn't go anywhere. But I found a way to entertain them through sports. Mm-hmm. And I had a knack for, not that I was a great athlete, but I had a knack for um, getting pretty good at sports like baseball and football, basketball. And I knew that they would come to my, they would be at every single game. We're in a small town. It's not like they had to drive, you know, 10 minutes. You're at any field you want to be at. And this, this constant belief of, uh, of, of an overindulgence of love and attention, almost an overindulgence of, um, of, of doing good and, and being good and wanting to earn more of that. Mm-hmm. Positive feedback loop. Yeah. What was it said? Um, your kids will 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 behave in the way they repeatedly hear from you, or something. I heard a great saying was, you know, the more you're positively affirming to others. I had so much of that, and I loved. I'd still love my city. I'm booking tickets to go back to Sioux City. I go back to the college homecoming. I go back to the high school. I love it so much. I live in California now, but home. That's always home, and it wasn't. You know, I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. I did. I have always in my life felt like an underdog. Like I had to outwork people. I felt like, um, and in, in good, bad, or indifferent, my wiring is. You know, I I can outwork. I may not have the God given talent. I didn't have God given athletic skills. I wasn't born big or fast or unusually muscular. And some 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 people are biology or whatever that is. Um, but I always had this chip on my shoulder, underdog that I can. I can, I can read more. I, I can listen more. I can seek mentors more. I, I can, my dad at, at, at 13 years old said, you see those guys that you admire these, and they were playing high school, go watch what they do when they're not on the court, watch how they work out and watch how they behave. And just, sure. he didn't use the word modeling. Like you and I know it, Jeff, he said, do what they do. All right. All right. Well, then they've, they've applied themselves uh, in, in a more direct, deliberate way, you know, and obviously their commitment level is higher. And we see that in the sales space too. A lot of salespeople, as you well know, wing it, right? Don't have, like to reference your book, which, you know, um, we'll put links in the show notes and we'll talk about this, obviously, but your book, The Sales Edge, um, you, you walk through a lot of stuff in there about, well, well, one of the key takeaways that I got from that is, you know, the whole thing about preparation, right? And doing your homework and having a dialogue or a, a, a talk track, being intentional with your time, you know, like the story you tell in there about the meeting you had with that big executive, that, that luncheon or dinner meeting, you know, where he just sat down, all right, let's get to it. And you prepared like the night before, done all your homework and you knew where their gaps were and you knew who exactly how to present a case that was going to be compelling to him instead of like, yeah, so what's up? You know, what are your needs? <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is how a lot of people approach sales. You know, my, my book is a, is, is a summary of some of the greatest lessons that I had the good fortune of learning from others. 
And I, I think I do a pretty good job of talking through the mistakes that I made as well. Because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you were all going to make mistakes. And the question is, is are you going to learn from it or are you going to beat yourself up over it? Mm. And that, what I like about how, you know, I worked with a, a writer, of course, you know, I, I wrote a lot of it, but you, you turn it over, you, you speak it out, the r- professional writer writes it, then you feed it back and go back and forth. And I wanted to really, um, I think the art of a great story is, is the pain, mm-hmm. is, is, is embarrassment, is, is sure. the feeling of not enough, the feeling of, of trying something and, and not knowing the outcome and the outcome not turning out in your favor. The, the world loves an underdog. Right. If, if, if I were to tell a story or write a book about, here's all the great things I did. Here's the top 10 greatest things Gene said. You know, who would want to listen to that? Yeah. Yeah. But, but people, uh, I, I know I like, like my favorite movie is Rocky three. My favorite movie series are the Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, if you could only watch one more movie, what's your favorite? Because the story, the hero's journey, the, the everyday guy gets an opportunity, turns it down, tries and fails. Mm-hmm. Enter, mentor comes in to give advice. He denies the advice. He gets further and further to the bottom, hits rock bottom, decides to listen to mentor, takes a new action, begins to get some positive fee- uh, response or feedback or progress takes more action, takes more action, then at the end, overcomes the, 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 the giant, the, the, the foe. The right? Villain, right? You know, and, and it's a mindset. I mean, the, E.T., uh, every Star Wars movie, I mean, the, the model, the hero's journey model is, is, that's the stuff that you know, people want to hear about. I know that's what I want to hear about. Yeah, well, that, that people love stories. That's for that's for sure. Um, and I'm sure you've got a, a lot of good stories. And I don't want to overlook your accomplishments either. I mean, obviously, you're being very humble, but you know, you've alluded to a couple of uh, of those. You were, you know, if we roll back to the one thing we sh- share some commonality, you were the uh, VP of Sales for Robbins Research for Tony um, for several years there. And and I like the story you have in the book there, which is uh, the company had been around for what 20 years, and you came in and like blew all the old records away like two, three times over? Yeah. T- 29 years, the company had been in business and there were 11 different, let's call it revenue streams or, or in, 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 and that would be eight teams producing different revenue streams. Think about products, coaching, Mastery University, UP, the Un- uh, Unleash the Power Thin seminar. I'm guessing your audience knows Tony and UPW and all that. Right. There's ad event sales. There's post event sales. There's rollovers from a six-month coaching contract to a 12 month I mean, these are all different sellers selling different things, and each of these have sales targets on them. I'm super proud of the fact that during the three years I was with Tony, we broke every single record at least twice. Mm-hmm. So we break the record, break that record. Some we broke three times, four times, mm-hmm. including event attendance. Right. Yep. You know, first UPW I went to was... 1800 people. By the time I left, we had 7,000 in an event. Oh, right. I mean, and, you know, not, and then, then fast forward that to 10 years later, I was in the LA Unleash the Power Within 16,000 people live. Yeah. These are live bodies. Yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, here's another thing that I think is just 
you know, hopefully people here are fans of Tony Robbins. And, and if you're not, let me give you another reason why you should be. Think about the fact that that man has been doing live seminars for 30 plus years. That's how he has uh, catapulted his fame. That's how he gives back to, you know, champions that want to get better or people that are desperately struggling and, and need something. The guy has dedicated his life to, to helping other people uh, become mentally and, and stronger to, to evolve themselves. His business model was shattered 11 and a half months ago when COVID hits or 10 months ago when COVID hits. Right. He had a, a, a 12,000 person event in San Jose that was ready to go right before the first, we got to shut everything down. Like, what do you mean shut everything down? I mean, he had to cancel that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just do the math on an average ticket price of, let's just, I'm guessing a thousand bucks. Just do the math the financial math, let alone all the deposits that have to be put down for travel and airfare and hotels and arenas, Mm -hmm. like devastating to the speaking business. Mm -hmm. And he didn't give up. And it wasn't 120 days later. Once we determined in COVID that this isn't going to be a one month, two month, three month thing. This could go on for a long time. If you remember back in April, Jeff, we were like, okay, yeah, we should be back to normal by, you know, September, October, November. Right. Yeah. No. And he invented, now he had help and technology people, but he invented by the time August came, he was doing his four day event in what I imagine. I've seen pictures and probably the same stuff that people have seen online of, like the half the size of a basketball court. And if you can see me, it's like a, a, a horseshoe-shaped series right. of uh, a giant screen, like a, like a drive-in movie theater, but in a horseshoe shape that he could walk in the middle of. And for the people that paid the premium amount, he would see you know, 10,000 little squares of people watching his seminar from home. Mm-hmm. One of the most difficult parts about public speaking and, and doing a seminar, you know, public speaking, doing a keynote is one thing, doing a two day, three day, four day event. The easiest part of that, Jeff, is the actual onstage performance. You, me, Tony Robbins, whoever getting up on stage and delivering their magic in a succinct order with a workbook. That's the easiest part of the whole thing. The hard part, the travel, mm. getting there. Um, if you're international, the overcoming when you're in Australia or you're in Asia or you're in Europe. I mean, we're talking drastic time zone changes and, and, you know, that has an effect on the mind. It has an effect on the body with that much travel. And he's six, eight, right. And he figured out a way not only to serve people, he had 23,000 people pay full price as if it was coming to their city virtually for four days to sit in front of a screen or a TV or a laptop for four days. Mm. Right. Then he did the next one. It was 35,000. Now currently, as we speak right now, he's doing a kind of a free live. uh, It's kind of a teaser, like two hours a day. According to, this is not unverified number. There were 200,000 people from around the world. So if you think about if he's doing it at, Three o'clock in the afternoon in Florida. What I don't know what the math is. That's got to be three a.m. somewhere in the world, right. China, Asia, Australia, whatever. Um, think about it. 
he is re. This is the this is the power of having an unstoppable mindset and living in a world of possibilities. He could have rolled over as many people could have. He could have rolled over, um, said, "Okay, we're going to ride this out." And he's such a great example of that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And now he's figured out the fact that not only does he not have to travel to Beijing to do a seminar or Sydney or uh, Birmingham or London, he can do it within, I don't know how close this place is to his house, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, like he has the best of all worlds. He's serving people at the highest level. He's delivering his gift. Yeah. And, and it's he's sleeping in his own bed at night. <laughs> profitable and there's lessons all of us can learn regardless of where where we are uh, there's always a way so i'm curious so while we're on this topic and then for those listening we're going to get we're going to go go back into the book and uh get to my notes about sales um the conversation framework but um so you talk about tony and obviously one of the greatest things about tony to use him or live events in general, of course, in my industry, real estate and mortgage also crushed a lot of those, those events and so forth concerts. Um, but do you think like in the case of, of Tony, right. Or other business related events, I mean, do you think what's the future has COVID created a permanent, you know, kind of preference or expectation for the virtual event now? I think that the world as we knew it 12 months ago will forever be altered. I think that as humans, we have proven that virtual delivery, very similar to what we're doing right now, can be very close to as effective as live delivery. And when you work out the, the factors, one is going to the seminar, flying there, driving there, if it's getting a hotel overnight, your food, unpacking, packing clothing, and so forth as an attendee. Um, that, but then you get to be in the live magic, right? Versus getting the content mm-hmm. from the comfort of your own house. I mean, we, we, you know, let's face it. A year ago, we were kind of using Zoom when necessary, when people couldn't be together. But the preference was in the business world, everybody comes to one of the offices and everybody sits down and they put their coffee down and looks at the screen and the person gets up and presents in front of the screen. And what we've proven is that we can virtually run a business through, you know, whether it's Zoom or Google Meets or Microsoft Teams. And what I've experienced is the speed of business has rapidly increased. Hmm. And the involvement of virtual meetings, you know, in, in March and April, you know, I, I'm a business to business, I'm a consultant of, of mid-sized and large-sized companies. It was first the Zoom thing. People would be in their T-shirts. They'd have their hat on backwards. It'd be a jumbled mess in the background. You know, it was a temporary thing and they were home and, you know, probably, you know, in shorts and flip-flops. Right. Um, you know, then it, like once, once the general population became open to the positive impact of virtual meetings, like, you know, like I work with companies out of Europe. So that means I can start phone calls or, or uh, Google meetings or Zoom meetings at five in the morning because they're eight hours ahead of us. And I can have four, five, and six quality, highly impactful meetings completed now by 9 a.m., 10 a.m. 
So, so the, in the global nature of it, if it's, if it's Australia, they're a different time zone. If it's Asia, they're in a different time zone. But the global nature is, is, is absolutely accepted. Now, frankly, and it sounds, looks like you do too, Jeff. I mean, you pay attention to your background, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. I get up and come up. I get up and take a shower and I shave and I put on a, you know, I got a sweater and a undershirt on, but I'll put on a button up shirt if, if it's important client meetings, because this is now the first impression in many cases. So do you want to have a, a messy background with, with terrible lighting? Um, do you want to pay a little bit of attention to your lighting? Um, put something behind you that looks good. Um, are you going to comb your hair and shave and right? This, this is the new norm. Yeah. Yeah. So you made me think, so productivity, that's the word that popped, popped in my head because you talked about the speed of business uh, and productivity as well, right? We're just much more, I would guess, productive, right? Because we don't waste time with all the other in-between stuff going to the office and commuting. Well, Jeff, think, think of the day when you would have to, you're going to go to an appointment mm-hmm. and you got to get dressed, drive right. in your car, deal with traffic, park, mm-hmm. walk in, sit in the lobby, have your half hour, 45 minute meeting, and then do the reverse. I mean, you think about what kind of time that you've burned in that process. Yeah. If you had a one hour meeting, the odds are you've burned three hours going yeah. to parking, walking in that meeting. Now it's absolutely um, normal to have that meeting. Right. Yeah. And, and, and do it just like we're doing it right now and accomplish the same thing. I can still look in somebody's face. I can still see their eyes. I can still read their body language. But is it as good as a face to face meeting? No. Oh. Does oh. the convenience factor balance that off? I would say yes, absolutely. That's interesting because, you know, um, for those listening, and you might know this, uh, part of what I help deliver for mortgage originators is. Uh, classes or an educational platform to help them drive engagement and conversations with real estate agents to, you know, drive referrals. And of course, pre-COVID, it was all in person because there was no like a thing forcing us to do virtual. Um, but now, of course, post-COVID, there is. And I'm, I'm getting two, two camps. Um, one camp is like people will say like last week on our call, you know, a guy says, hey, you know, I asked all my agents who attended a meeting, do you guys quote want to go back to in person? And 80% of them said no. Uh, we're cool doing it just like this. But then we get the flip side where people are zoomed out, right? So what do, what, my, here's my take on that. I think my answer to that, and you, you'll re- probably appreciate this being a presenter, is um, I think people say they're zoomed out when your Zoom sucks and it's boring, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Or it's like content that's irrelevant. I don't care. Um, and then on, the, on the, uh, the other side is like what you're alluding to here is with the backgrounds. And now we have to like, you know, not have a baseball cap on and have your lighting. Now, just like with when people started with video, organic straight from your phone video was cool. And it still is, but the expectations go up once it becomes more of something normal for us. And we're like, you know what I mean? Well, look at that dude. He's like, you can't even hear him. Can't see him. He's not shaved. Now people are going to be judging you in this more critical, I guess, micro uh, experience of engagement with you. Does that make sense? No, no doubt. Here's a, th- th- this a little epiphany I had. In today's new world, you get no extra credit for being to a meeting early, mm-hmm. but you do get dinged heavily if you're one minute late. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? If it's, if it's a team meeting, if it's a customer meeting, yeah, if yeah. It's a prospect meeting, 
mm-hmm. being on time is huge. Now here again, here's the, 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 the plus and the minus of this new world. Well, I have six kids. Wow. Four of them are homeschooling. Uh, yeah. You're dealing with some challenges. Mm-hmm. Right. And I haven't, I'm in an office in a house right. where they're over there yep. and uh, three of them are boys. So it it's is a not a crazy fact for <laughs> in, in the middle of something to hear a, Right. Like, so there are some, some challenges with this, but I, 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 here's the truth be told, Jeff, I've been on a, I've been working with a single client, a, a one client that has hired my full-time and attention to build a company, build an entire legit company. I'm not talking, it's me, myself and I, and I'm going to do, and I'm not judging it, but I'm talking about, you know, a one, one man band and, you know, get, you know, get on QuickBooks and, get a LLC established. And now I'm quote unquote in business. I'm talking about building a real corporation, a, a real corporations with lawyers and bookkeepers and accountants and HR professionals, salespeople, marketing people, uh, deliverers of the service, which are engineers. I've done all of that from this exact computer on, I don't always use this microphone, but this is being recorded. I have not met one person in person, not one. And I've hired 15 separate resources. If you think about even HR, so you got to have an HR person. You've got to have contracts drawn up that have to be approved by attorneys. Think about health insurance. You think about business insurance. You think about taxation and bookkeeping, like building a legit business. And you just made me think about it. Like I started this at the end of October. So we're 90, you know, 90 days in actually about right now. And I've built the entire business without meeting one person. That includes shopping for property. I did meet the commercial real estate broker for the office space that will be. And now we're going, do we really need an office? But it's, a, it's, a, it's an engineering company. So there's equipment and stuff that we've got to house. Yeah. So let me, let's pivot then back, back to sales and back to your book then. So are you training or, or do you think that virtual selling, even though it's been around a long time, um, is that now like a skill that we have to have to be relevant in, in this quote, new world? 1000% on, on virtual selling. So, so what has changed with virtual selling? Well, organization is critically important. Being able to send a file and receive a file and open it and look at it or share a doc on a screen, absolutely critical. Mm. Using programs like eSign or DocuSign, getting contracts signed, like that. I'm going to send this to you right now, Jeff. All you got to do is click here, click here and click there and we're done. Let's go ahead and do that now. Mm. You know, the old days of, you know, you slip the contract over and hand them the pen to the old Tommy Hopkins. <laughs> just put the pen in front of them. Well, that's now DocuSign. But if, you're, if you're buttoned up. Yeah, I was going to say, so, so just to not leave this too quick, because this is the thing in our industry, in the mortgage and real estate industry is those who aren't yet adapting or have, you know, aren't building these skills to virtually conduct a business, are they going to be left behind? I think so, unless their referral network is so strong. I mean, you can't replace brand identity. So if somebody's been in this business, they're tried and true. You've got a, an army of former clients that either can become repeat clients because they refi or they move and need a new mortgage, but they're also a lot talking about you. 
That's important. But I think there's a lot of people that miss the boat on their own public relations, basic stuff like their social media pages, their activity on social media. Are they using email to stay in contact with the people? Do they even have a database or a CRM? I mean, if you don't these days, it, it's just a matter of time when it's going gonna, it's gonna to overtake you. Hmm. That's interesting. It's something I'm thinking about a lot with, you know, virtual selling, if you will, or conducting business virtually, you just establish, you can build a business and never meet the people, you know, individually in person. Um, hmm. There's so much we could talk about, like, like, you know, vetting off of some of these topics. If you don't mind, I want to bring it back uh, to some of the notes from the book, if we can, because I think thank you stuff in the book. Um, Okay. So, Conversation framework. As I'm thinking about, and I'm reading through your book, and I'm thinking about how do I apply this to the people who are listening to this, which is largely mortgage loan officers who obviously are selling direct to consumer right now. And, and you may well know the challenge in the space. Well, first of all, it's crazy busy. The housing market's on fire. People have refied like crazy. So it's just they're throwing business at you, you know? And, the, and, the, and I think the need for selling in that environment has come down, right? Because it's like, look, if the rates are X and you know that's you know, a point less than I'm already getting, I don't need a lot of convincing, you know? And I kind of already know you or whatever. It's like, so let's just go with it. But, and I, so I want to have this conversation in the structure of, for those listening, is, is, is think about this conversation framework, which Gene is going to walk through in a moment, about it's still vitally important, like the first words that come out of your mouth, that first impression that you talked about, whether you're on Zoom or over the phone. And then a conversation framework for your partners to me, which is equally and sometimes more critical, but big setup there. But uh, <laughs> Could you just unpack a little bit kind of what you mean when you talk about conversation framework? Yeah, there's, you can establish uh, leverage or, or, or be leveraged in a conversation. And one of the greatest ways to think about it is this, it's called frame control. Yeah. The simplest way to put it is the person that's asking the questions is the person in charge of the conversation. They're the Mm -hmm. leaders. And if you just understand some basic notions of what's called a pre-frame, what happens before you get on that call or in that meeting? How do you set it up? Mm -hmm. Then you have establishing the dominant frame or the frame of reference, which means you are the one asking questions. Here's the most profound question that you can ask at the beginning of a meeting or the beginning of a video meeting or in person. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds stupidly ridiculous, but you would be surprised at how many people miss this simple thing. Okay, you get on. Now, now imagine this. I've talked to you, Jeff. You're the real you're the mortgage guy that got referred to me. Mm-hmm. Before we meet, you send me a, a series of of emails. One is Hey, I thought you'd be interested in this long list of testimonials I have. Or the second one is, is, oh, thank you know, hey, John, thanks for referring Gene to me. And, and there's a connected email there. Uh, John, I won't tell him about your golf game, whatever, something funny right there, right? So you got there's all these little uh, persuasive, simple things that you can do to pre-frame the meeting. So that person is excited to talk to you. They know they're talking to somebody that is intelligent in something they're not intelligent in, right? Like to, for a lot of you listening right now, mortgage and points and title and all, it's like second nature. But to, to the normal person like me, that's foreign language. I want to be taught how to be a better buyer. Mm-hmm. So 
you pre-frame in advance. What are your touch points for somebody to say, yeah, I want to talk to you. Let's schedule some time. Um, then it's saying your first question out of the shoots is, Hey, I'm so glad we both know Jeff. That's super cool. But let's get that right down to it. Here's what I like. Here's what I like to say, Jeff. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so let's get right to it. How can I help you? Well, um, I'm looking to do this. Great. Tell me more. Okay. And then you just, you go right through the who and the what and the where and the when. Yeah. Asking questions. And, and yes, you need to know this information, but, but what you're unconsciously doing is taking charge of that situation. And so with a conversation framework, what you've done, uh, as I've read, I mean, you've, you've come in and you've, you know, grown companies and done this amazing growth. Um, like you did at Gateway, you grew them. I forget what it started at, but you helped them scale to 11 billion with a B in sales. That, that's that's a, it's a pretty good win, you know, <laughs> through yeah. the ups there. But what you, what you did is you put a, a strategic framework together that was repeatable. And basically you follow that over and over again, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's steps and sequences to every type of selling. I mean, if you're selling to the government, that's different than selling to an individual, right? But there are patterns and processes that if you study the successful people in any of the fields that you see it over and over again, you can, you can understand you know, what the typical patterns of what they do, how they do it, when they do it, when they ask for the business, when they ask questions, when they back off. But if you're looking at and studying the, the people that are the best, I mean, people are listening to your stuff, Jeff, because you've got a history of success. You're a hunter of the patterns of excellence, and your job is to orate that, to synthesize that, and feed it back to the audience. That's why people are, you're listening right now, listener, wherever you are in your car or at the gym, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and, and I, so pattern recognition is, you know, Tony Robbins says this, what is the number one power in business and sales is anticipation, mm, really? right? To anticipate, you've got to understand the patterns. Anticipate what? Anticipate buying behaviors. Anticipate what are the things that somebody needs to know or should know about you or your company even prior to having the meeting. Anticipate what is the way you're going to run that meeting. You mentioned just winging it like, okay, hey, how's it going? Yeah, what, what are we doing? Like, like having a pattern and a process and a methodology, a roadmap of what you want to take somebody to the customer journey that leads them to a yes answer, a conversion, and ultimately referrals. If you, there are no shortage of training programs available. And Jeff, I'm assuming you have one yourself. Now you uh, have resources, you have tools. There yeah, is yeah. no shortage of resources and tools. But what I would challenge everybody to think about is this. Anything you want to do, you can Google it or you can YouTube it at minimum. Anything. Want to lose weight? Google it. Want to run a marathon you've never run in your life? Google it. Want to learn how to cook a five-star meal? Google, YouTube, right? It's all there. So here's my question, Jeff. Why doesn't everybody do it? Why isn't everybody wildly successful, happy, proud of their body in a loving relationship? Why? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, in a simple way, I think because they choose not to, maybe consciously or unconsciously, but choose not to you know, do what's required, learn what's required to achieve that outcome. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on. I mean, that's, that's what I, has been in my head, you know, since, since it's always in my head, you know, it's like the, the getting in shape. There's no, 
there's a gut zillion diets, right? What's that? There's no secret on how to get in shape. It's like eat less than you, right? And work out, right? It's like, it's not rocket science, but people don't, right? Because they get into all these choices and stuff. Um, let me bring it back to sales for a minute because um, I wrote something down. Maybe answer this question because this is kind of what you did at Robbins um, and probably other companies as well. Take the same product and pricing and yet grow and outperform uh, people who attempted to do, to do the same before. And that's a perfect setup for largely what we have in the mortgage space is the products are pretty much the same. The pricing is pretty much the same. So how can somebody, right? How do you grow and outperform if, if everything's baseline as relatively the same? Like what's the, the other question to add on to that? Like you said, I think this is Tony's question. What's the difference that makes the difference? <laughs> right? I was just going to say that. So what's the, it's, it, you know, I just, there's no science behind this, but typically the, the, the clients that have hired me, I've consulted 159 companies. This was as a consultant, not working for the company. And I spent 12 years at Gateway, almost four years with Tony. And the rest has been, you know, I come in as the six for six months, or in some cases it's a year, some cases two or three is that most of the companies that I work with are the premium price. Okay. And what I say to them is if you have a premium price, you got to have a premium sales process and a premium story. Okay, we all get that. But the truth is, unless your organization is dynamically and radically different than the marketplace, which is just very rare these days, unless you're the new one or you're the cheapest of everybody, outside of that, 90% of what you do is considered the same. Like I would think mortgage agent A versus B versus C, you're all the same. It's kind of like hiring an attorney. And I found this the hard way. Just because somebody's an attorney doesn't mean they're a good one. It doesn't mean they're organized. It doesn't mean that I'm going to get along with them. It doesn't mean that I'm going to approve of what they say or do or agree with it. Right? Oh, that person's an attorney and I got referred. I'm just going to, you know what I mean? So, there's a 10% difference that makes the difference. And that's the human factor of what it is we do. Now, what are some controllable elements in the human factor? How we build rapport, how we anticipate buying pass, pa- uh, patterns and processes. You control the level and the quality of the questions that you ask. You control the speed at which you give responses. Mm-hmm. You control the quality of those responses that you give. You control the networking. You control what people say about you that are networking on your behalf called referrals, referrers. You control how you stay in contact with former clients to say, hey, thought you'd appreciate this. By the way, if you know anybody that's looking, make sure and keep me in mind. All that's controllable. Mm. And I'm a huge fan, Jeff, of saying, and I've done this for 30 years now, of spending the money on something a course, uh, event, a book, the tapes, the CDs of spending the money because you give yourself personal obligation to actually follow through on the material. So there's so many people out there that just, you know, I've even sent people my book. I mean, the great thing about having a book, especially if it's a, you know, best-selling book, which, you know, I'm honored for that is that when I meet somebody and I get their address, I can send them a personal signed copy and that shows up. I mean, what a calling card. 
And my net cost on that is with shipping is probably seven or eight bucks rolled up. But my, my point is, is I do that to master the initial impression, to give them something of value first. Hmm. And not, not every time does somebody get the book and they read it cover to cover and they get on and write me a recommendation. No, I, I'm not doing it to get something from it, but I am doing it to, uh, uh, to, to, to master the frame up and build a lasting impression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we say the 10% difference that makes the difference is the human factor. Huh? Huh? So yeah, there's a lot if, in there. If there are programs, I, I know I, I have a, several friends that are in the real estate coaching business. I have other friends that are in the mortgage coaching business. And I, I'm just like, all of those people were were super high level top performers in their day, and now they've chosen to teach other people how they did it. This old saying of those who can't do teach, I mean, I, I got riddled with that when I became the sales trainer. And I'm like, dude, I was the number one seller, so shut up. But anyway, <laughs> STFU. Somebody said that, I'm like, what about Lou Holtz? All right. My point to anybody listening right now, if you want to be great, it is highly unlikely you're going to do it just out of, out of the, the, the biological wisdom you were born with. You, it is, requires intervention of somebody who's done what it is you want to do. And if you want to get yourself to follow through, put your money up. You'll follow through a lot higher. I've, I've had a, I had a personal trainer, and the only time he could train me was at 6 in the morning. This is a few years back. I said, okay, I was all gung-ho and you know, New Year's resolution and my best body year ever. And it was 100 bucks a session, which whatever you think of 100 bucks, it's a lot of money to me. You know, I don't care if I'm a gazillionaire, 100 bucks can be a lot of money. I'm going to still get the deals at McDonald's when I can. It's just how I'm wired. Um, I don't believe you're eating at McDonald's. I'm sorry. What's that? I don't believe you're eating at McDonald's. <laughs> uh, metaphorically speaking. There were many times I did not want to go to that session. I'm hitting snooze, hitting snooze, and hitting snooze. Right. And I went because of the 100 bucks. Yeah, for sure. Cause you're on the hook, man. You got skin in the game. Anyway, that's, that's my, t- I, I don't, I'm not pitching anybody's product. I'm just saying oh, I no. am the product of investing money in myself. And I would, the only thing I would have done 20 years ago is double down on those investments. Yeah. Well, you said something that's, that's very, um, I want to make sure people don't overlook it. And I wrote it down premium. Pr- if you have a premium price, you need a premium process. Yeah. Just pause for a second. Think, because so many of people, the first words out of people's mouth when they're calling this mortgage person is, yeah, what's your rate? What's your price? And to your point earlier about anticipation, and you talked a lot in there about its sales process and the questions you ask and how do you show up before the meeting? So those that are listening right now, you guys know there's a lot of tools you have. Some of you currently use them. Some of you could be, but to, to better control the... Uh, perception, if you will, or the feeling that somebody has about you um, before you even talk to them, including if you're getting referrals from real estate agents and, and how do you tee up, how do you teach that referral partner to tee you up, for example? But I'm going to come back to that, like for those listening in probably some later later episodes, whatever, premium price needs a premium process. It's cool. Premium, a premium price requires a premium story and a premium process. That means when that I can get the same rate. I can get a better rate down the street comes up that you've got to be prepared to answer that. Well, I'm sure you could get another rate. There's a reason why 
I have this many clients. There's a reason why you were referred to me. And it's this. Do you mind if we talk about that a little bit? How important is A? How important is B? And how important is C? Because the truth is, Jeff, there isn't anything available on this earth today that you cannot find cheaper. <laughs> right. Right? You want to, though, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, you can, you can have a, a cheap cell phone. You can have a cheap car. And I'm not judging it. You can buy cheap clothing or good clothing. There's a radical difference. Mm -hmm. The other, the other key point you make in your book, and there's so much, I mean, you know, it's like, man, we could do like three different podcasts on your book and all the content. So I want to make sure before we forget, we're going to put a link in the show notes, but uh, a website for you guys to go get, you've got kind of a, a free preview of your book if people want it, right? Yeah, totally. Go to, it's a landing page. Go to the, the sales edge. That's the name of the book, the sales edge.co. Com. And what you get wasn't available. Yeah. What you get is a series of videos there. You get a free chapter review, but you know, just go to Amazon and buy the book. Come on. You guys can afford it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, the, if, if you, here, here would be a great example, go to the salesedge.co and I ask for your first name and your email address. We don't hound. I don't put you into some un stupid drip campaign. You'll get a couple emails from us to invite you to, uh, and look at other programs, but the notion here is that you give something of value for free and let people make their own decision. If you like the chapter, then the, there's a chance you're going to go to Amazon and drop 12 bucks for the book. Truth be told, you know how much I make on a book sale, Jeff? I know very little. <laughs> yeah, two, two bucks. Two dollars. So I'm not ethically bribing you for your $2.75, <laughs> right? But if you follow the sequence of a very inexpensive landing page, somebody puts in their name, it goes into a database. Mm -hmm. That database will allow me in a um, un unobstructive way to, to reach out and say, hey, I just did a new video. I have this series I do on LinkedIn called the sales two-minute tune-up. Yeah, I thought, right. shoot, it's hard to get people to watch a half-hour video anymore. That is just a fact. I have a hard time watching a half-hour video. I can listen to a podcast while I'm driving in my car, no problem. If I have a that kind of a trip, and I live in Southern California, and sometimes going 20 miles is two hours, right? Yep. But my point is, I had to think of something that would give a quick hit of killer content. Like, here's the other thing: is I give away my best stuff. Mm -hmm. I learned that from Chet Holmes. So the chapter I give away at the salesedge.co is the best chapter. It's the chapter that's most unique to me on how to run the perfect first meeting. Yes. If somebody's in sales and they're meeting new people and they've got to run that first meeting, this is a roadmap that I have that I learned I learned from another source. I modified that source because it was a little bit old. It was spin selling, if you remember that. I upped it in what I thought. I give all honor and homage to spin, but I said, look, I've got a better way that works for me. I want to teach that to you. Yep. And it gives you a roadmap of how to run those first meetings. It doesn't matter whether you're in person on the phone or virtual. There's a certain sequence of events that has to happen. Number one, educate yourself on what they're trying to do. Number two, understand their gap. They either have a problem to solve or they have a situation they want to make even better. Three, Take them to the future. I learned this in NLP. 
What's it going to mean for you to do this right? What's it going to mean for you to do this wrong in the future? And what if you do nothing? What do you, where do you see yourself in six months to a year? Future pace them. Four, establish an emotional connection through a story of another client just like them that said yes and are glad they did. Then offer that case study, offer that phone call. I mean, that's how I want to be. You, you wouldn't be surprised, Jeff. As I've been building this company, I've had to interview I don't know. I don't want to say hundreds. That's an exaggeration. Probably 50 vendors. Everything for our, who's going to be our SEO uh, media spend buyer to who's going to build our website, who we're going to have for HR, who's going to do our bookkeeping. I've had at least five occasions where I liked the company. I liked what they were online. Maybe I got referred to them or I found them on Google. And the seller was so awful, so effing bad that I said, you need to go to the salesedge.co. You need to download my chapter. Do not call me back until you read that chapter and you follow this process. You're like, come back, second approach. Let's see it better. <laughs> well, if, if you're always putting yourself in the buyer's shoes, think yeah. about it. When somebody's selling to you, one thing I like about going to Best Buy is they're not commissioned salespeople. They're, they're walking around saying, what can I, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? Yeah, can you tell me how this plug in. I need, I need a docking station. I had to buy one. And the dude was going, well, tell me what you're trying to do and what are you plugging in? And, you know, I had a Mac monitor, but I had a Google Chromebook and it, 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 the dude just educated me on the whole situation. And I didn't give a shit what he was selling. I wanted the best one he had. It just, yeah. you know, well, that, that happens that hard. Show up to serve. Which, by the way, thank you for sharing that, uh, your acronym EDGE, E-D-G-E, right? Hence the title of the book. Um, and I guess to close it out, it, it really kind of brings back front and center this other thing you write in your book, which is experience does not equal effectiveness. <laughs> you know this, Jeff. There's people that would say they've been in sales for 20 years, but they've done the same thing just 20 times a year or you know, right. 20 times every year. They, they haven't grown. They haven't evolved. They're not working on their game. They're not studying their market. They're not studying their industry. They're not working on the skill set, and I don't have any judgment for them. It's <laughs> I gotta believe. What's that? <laughs> okay, well you can say it, but I I have no judgment on those people. But you know, somebody isn't listening to this podcast in my voice right now that isn't an achiever of some level. Yeah, right. Success. There's plenty of room at the top. It's the bottom that's crowded. Mm-hmm. And I keep, I keep, you know, we can get into the tactics of the sales process and everything it is I know. And I've studied as, you know, probably more than the average duck in terms of, let me go find the very best in the world. What are the number one selling books? I always buy that and read it. What is out there that's new? What can I try? You know, challenging my own self, but, you know, it's achievers that are listening and reading and doing. It's the achievers. If you're listening to this now, it says something about you. You're hungry for more. You're either really good and you want to, you know, there's another level. You are, or you're, you're, you're getting lackluster results and you need help or you really suck, but you finally hit a point where you're like, I've got to go find a resource. Whatever stage you are on, it is the changing of your actions that will dictate your results. And if you understand the power of delayed gratification, that would suggest that you don't, I know this is a silly metaphor. You don't go to the gym for one week and expect to be in shape. 
but you do know compounded that if you alter your diet in a positive way and you exercise over the course of time, you will lose weight. Over the course of time, delayed gratification, your body will start to shape differently. Your brain works the exact same way. And it's the same is true with like marketing. If we, if we talk about like social media, for example, which is an area that I know a fair amount of people struggle with, how do I show up on social? What do I post? And you know what I mean? Figuring out that whole strategy. People, what's the ROI people often ask. And it's like, um, they need to have the same principle of delayed gratification. Like just before, you know, we had you and I recording, I was interviewing a loan officer out of the Bay area. Uh, she did $200 million last year, top 1% of the country. And she, her number one source of business is YouTube. Four years ago, she started on YouTube. Four years. That's delayed gratification. Oh, dude, I heard of something that was so good. And I was like, God, that was so spot on. As this, this marketing guru said, allow people to rabbit hole on your content. Yeah, I like that. Yep. Like that's YouTube. So whatever she does on YouTube, here's this and here's that. And you know, there's four keys to this. There's three dangers you should avoid. You know, the number one lesson I've learned, uh, here's a testimony, whatever. I can only, I'm fairly probably accurate in predicting what she puts on there. Oh, yeah. A little bit of time and attention, especially now when, yeah. you know, we, we have a, a literal video production system in our hands yeah. Yeah. that we can carry just like this. Mm. There's it's, no excuse not to do it. Well, it's like rolling back to the story you opened up with was, you know, going to the seminars, driving, sitting in, a, in, a, in a, an event, you know, having to go out of your way to get access to information that was going to help you fulfill your vision. Today, you're holding, holding up your phone as I am. Today, it's so damn easy. Well, there's it- dreamers and there's achievers. Okay. Right? Always that. There's dreamers and achievers. The, the achievers are the ones that are getting information, looking for the information. If they see something like they act on it, they know that the only way to change the long-term results is to change the current behavior. Mm. Yep. Amen to that. You know, and I think on that, that's probably a good note to say some behavior you want to change is to get Gene's book. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. This, well, I, you know, honestly, it's not a big pitch fest. Oh, go get my book. Go get any book. Right. It's written by somebody that's done something pretty big and read it and yep. highlight it or put it on your Kindle or put it on your mobile. Uh, what's the mobile book? The audio book, audio.com, audible.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Digest the info. Here, here's another one. I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Because in most cases, just like with Jeff, it, it's current, it's real. It's, it's, they're talking about subject matter and content, but it's now. It's now COVID. We're in a different stage of COVID right now. Like Jim Rohn says, life is like the seasons. You're going to have your winters, your springs, your summers, and your falls. And that is the pattern. That's the pattern of your relationship. That's the pattern of your body. That's the pattern of your business. It's a pattern of your income. And I believe it's the exact pattern of COVID. We're, we're at the end of winter is my belief. Yeah. And next is spring. Yeah, we're all waiting for spring. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Jim Rohn says, "What do you do in the winter? You don't wish it were easier. You wish it were better. You wish you were better. You you double down on personal development. Now, mortgage right now is hot as heck. I would challenge anybody listening to this at this stage right now. 
pretend it's 2007. What happened then, Jeff? Remember those days? Yeah, yeah. It was, was hell. What, t- talk about it. Well, I mean, nobody was loaning money. You, it's like you, your number one thing you sell is money and no one's loaning money. You know, and it's just like, okay, I can't, if people don't want to buy houses, they can't qualify. There is no money to loan them. People are foreclosing and REOs left and right. And it's just blood in the streets, you know? Well, guess what, Jeff? I, I feel really bad for probably a huge portion of your audience that has never had the benefit of experiencing a recession. Yeah. That's when you found out, that's when you found out who you were. Exactly. That's when many people found out they, they, they got drunk on success. They thought it would never stop. They spent money like it would never stop coming in. Multiple homes, bought the Rollies, got the nice cars. And next thing you know, they're over leveraged, their business stopped and they're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've got to prepare for winter because it's, it's coming. Just a matter well, of what. I, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I'm also, I have to be an idiot not to think that you know, it, winter, spring, summer, fall. It is harvest time in the mortgage business. It is harvest. Run as hard as you can if you're listening to me right now. Do not stop running. Pretend it goes away tomorrow. Jeff, your business in 07, or 06, 07, 08, 09 died. Yeah. And along with probably 60% of the, the mortgage pros, Mm-hmm. died because they were not prepared. They treated the abundance of business as it's going to be here forever. And I'm not going to burn the midnight oil because you know, I need to go to the happy hour and drink my face off. <laughs> Don't do that. No, 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 no. Yeah. Sock your money away, invest for the future. And, and um, thankfully it's not that all over again, but everybody listening knows that, you know, well, this year already, the refis are going to taper off in the second half of the year and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think the best way, it's like you said, um, you know, are you getting better, right? Don't, you can't be bitter. You've got to get better, whatever that saying is. You can't be better and bitter, whatever it is, but you've got to work on yourself. We all know that. So, <laughs> so the point is, go check out Gene's book, thesalesedge.co. We're going to put a Thank link in the show notes and follow him on LinkedIn as well, because you do have some cool videos up there. And it's like, you've done so much, man. When you even talk about your, your stuff, you've interviewed like all the people from Shark Tank and... Um, you know, the whole Chet Holmes thing, that's just an amazing experience you had there. Chet Holmes, one of the most successful, like amazing. You want to learn about sales, read, read your book. And also, if you don't mind, read Chet's book, right? The Ultimate Sales Machine. Yep. So I mean, good. Yeah. Phenomenal stuff. So, Gene, I can't thank you enough, man. Oh, this is, it's my pleasure. It seriously is. It's my pleasure to just get a share of perspective. And if this touched somebody out there, great. But, you know, here's the moral of the story. Pretend it's going away tomorrow. Work like it's not going to last forever, and you'll never be sorry. There you go. Right? Yep. Work your buns off. Work on yourself. Um, plug into a program. D- don't treat this time in your business that's super hot as it's going to last forever. There was a point where I thought when I was at Gateway that that company would never go away. We're a multi-billion-dollar company, and it was gone within five years. Like. Like the seasons change and the company globally did not change with the seasons. Mm, and a $11 billion, 21,000 person company that had grown over 15 years was gone within six. Gone. G-O-N-E, gone. And you, what, what's, why do you think they're gone? Like what was the thing that really, I mean, there must have been market forces or whatever, or was it just internal? They didn't pivot or adapt or what was it? There was a disruption in the market. 
there was an overinvestment into retail. You know, we were traditionally a call us, we'll build your computer and we'll ship it to you. We had a manufacturing facility in North Sioux City, South Dakota. It was very inexpensive. Like our overhead was super low. A new CEO came in and doubled down on retail, like retail buildings where you have leases and sure. heat bills and employees and, 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 and we opened 300 stores in a matter of two years and a recession hit. Mm-hmm. The, 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 that, the, the owner of the company was worth, I don't know, $20 billion, you know, semi-retired and then brought in a CEO who doubled down on retail and we had a recession and we got, we were thinking uh, summer all like summer was never going to end. Harvest time was never going to end. And I was running the government division. So I wasn't part of the, the demise on the decision crew, but hmm. when a recession hits and now you've got um, almost 400 retail stores around the world, you can't just shut down a retail store. You've got long-term leases, you've got overhead that is there. And that began the demise of, of a company that was a Wall Street darling through the 90s that the stock split, I think four times, it might've been more, runs to 80, splits, goes 40 back to 80. A lot of millionaires made. And I, I never thought in my life that I would work for another company besides Gateway. I bled the cow spots. <laughs> Did you? And it was gone. Wow. See, that's, you just never know. So it's the, what, it's, what can you can control? You can control you. You can control how you respond. You can control working on yourself, you know, and who you surround yourself with. So you become your peer group. Yep. That's why listening to these things are so important. Well, I hope this has been a good one for the listeners. I know I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I got a bunch of notes and like I said, man, I'm gracious for your time. I know you're incredibly busy. So thank you. Awesome. I am, I am super busy going to my 10 year old's basketball game. That's another pleasure of this virtual working. I have not missed a practice and I have not missed a game for almost a year now. And I'm super freaking proud of that. It's awesome. Good for you, man. Well, let me sign off to you and the listeners. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, you know what to do. Leave us a review. Gene, we'll be in touch, man. Take care. Peace out. Rock and roll. See you, Jeff. Bye for now. Hey guys, what's up real quick. Uh, you've heard about the mortgage marketing pro membership before. And I just want to quickly remind you if that you're in a place in your business where you simply need more purchase loans, you need to fill your pipeline with purchase business. Let's just face it. Agents are still a solid pillar of business and sources of purchase business for you. Well, good news. Our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership helps loan officers like you close more loans without the hassle of chasing agents or cold calling. Done for you agent classes, expert training videos, a marketing automation platform that automates the entire process for you, everything you need to build your personal brand in your local market, attract and convert agents into referral partners, plus done for you proven marketing materials and plug and play content to make promoting your class, getting agents butts and seats, partnering with affiliates, real easy. But that's not all. You'll also get access to our weekly mastermind calls with top LOs, authors, speakers, and coaches to learn the best strategies to grow your business right now in today's market. And as an extra bonus for a limited time, for all new members, you'll get access to a database of 200 agents in your local market that have closed anywhere to, from eight to 50 transactions in the last 12 months And we'll provide that list upload into our platform for you so you can get off to a fast start in reaching actually productive agents. So what are you waiting for? 
You can check out more at mortgagemarketing.pro, see more of the success stories there. And if you feel compelled to do so, book a call. We'll have a chat. We'll see if it's a fit. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your mortgage business to the next level right now. Head over to mortgagemarketing.pro.